Hey, welcome in Orange and Blue News uh, subscribers and Illinois basketball fans. Huge game coming up Tuesday night in West Lafayette. Uh, Illinois travels to Purdue looking to avenge a two-overtime loss in Champaign uh, back in January. Uh, we're, we're bringing in uh, Brian Newbert from Golden Black, the, the Purdue uh, Rivals site. Uh, columnist John Supini is with us, and as always, Alec Bussey and uh you know, this is a this is a rematch from a, a great game in Champaign, uh, you know, just a few weeks back and Purdue came out on top. And Brian, do you, do you see this game on Tuesday night um, going any differently than what we saw in Champaign? Uh, well, I think it'll be a really physical game. You know, that first game in Champaign was one of the most physical games I think I've ever covered. Um, and uh, I would imagine this will be the same thing. Obviously, you got three great big men in the game. I think as counterintuitive as this might sound, I think job one for Purdue is don't get Kofi Coburn in foul trouble because um, their defensive game plan went out the window as soon as that happened. They had their whole defense built to slow down Kofi Coburn, did a pretty good job with it when he was in the game. And then Andre, and then Andre Curbelo went crazy uh, because they didn't spend their whole week uh, practicing guarding ball screens. They didn't think Curbelo was going to play. Um, and that's, you know, to be honest with you, that's where Purdue's more vulnerable uh, is against dribble penetration, against really dynamic guards. And I think, you know, Purdue, for lack of a better term, got caught with their pants down a little bit because Curbelo played and Kofi Coburn didn't. Um, I know that sounds really counterintuitive to say that Illinois not having its best player on the floor most of the game really hurt them, but um, I think it was a factor in the game. But I would anticipate this to be a really, really – uh, physical game again, and I would expect um, the team who executes a, just a little bit better offensively, who makes more shots, you know, um, to oversimplify things a little bit, you know, to have a real advantage. But these are two great teams, obviously. These are the two best teams in the Big Ten, I think, um, by a relatively wide margin. Yeah, I would agree. This is going to be another old-fashioned Big Ten game. I mean, I it's almost like it was, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's going to be, there's not going to be much, there's not going to be a lot of running. It's just seemed like it's going to be a lot of walk it up, half court possession, NCAA tournament type game, um, hand to hand combat, half, you know, possession by possession. I, this is the one team that I can see that this is where Illinois doesn't have the, the big man advantage because Purdue's got two of them. They can outnumber him. They can, they can throw a lot of fouls at him. And I, Illinois doesn't have the depth at, at, at big man like they, like, Purdue does. Um, like Brian said, they're going to have a little bit more. Purdue's going to have a little bit more. Um, scouting report on, on Curbelo is going to be playing. They're going, to, they're going to be preparing for him a little bit more. But to me, I've seen Kofi improve. I didn't think he improved this much this year. I mean, he's just gone through the ceiling. I think he's – I would have to put him on the ballot of top two or three guys most improved in the, in the country and, and play of the year. He's got to be the – serious play of the year candidate. I mean, what he's doing right now is just, he dominates games, which just with his presence and his size, but Illinois has a problem in this game because they produce got two of them and, you know, it sounds simple, but two, two, two is often better than one, but uh, I think this is going to be a great game. I'm just so glad it's at eight o'clock on Tuesday night. That's a the great prime time slot. Yeah. I think the front court is where this gets really interesting because I think you look at the matchups, Kofi obviously has, a history of dominating Travion Williams over the last couple of years. And even in Champaign earlier this year, Travion really struggled with Kofi's size and his physicality, but there's not a player in the country who's 
a good who's a better matchup for Kofi Coburn than Zach Eady is. I mean, Zach Eady's seven four. He's heavier, and quite frankly, like he's significantly more skilled than Kofi Coburn is on the post. And neither one of them are great defenders because neither one of them can move very well. They both struggle to guard ball screens, but. I think Zach Eady is just such a good matchup for Kofi, but does Kofi play better than he did in the first game in Champaign? It's hard to imagine that he plays worse, right? But that's where it gets really interesting with Purdue and their front court. At times, I feel like when I watch them, Brian, I feel like they have a talent identity crisis where they don't know which one they want to play in certain situations. And I know Painter has said, or maybe not said, but just seems to kind of play Williams when he needs to trust a guy a little bit more. And that makes sense, right? Because I think Trayvon Williams is – one of the most skilled, one of the most talented bigs in the country with his passing and the way he's able to affect the game offensively. But you have to think that if Kofi stays out of foul trouble and plays better in this game, that Zach Eady's going to have to play a lot of minutes on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah we'll get to uh, key, oh. keys and some predictions here in a minute. But, um, you know, this time of year in the Big Ten, and I, I, we talked to Brett Underwood about this, and I asked him about it after the last game. S- scouting plays such a huge role in these games, and and when when you give Matt Painter time to sit down and look at film, he's a very difficult coach to beat. He's a hard guy to out coach, you know, from a technical standpoint, and he's got plenty of film to watch from the last time these two teams met. Plenty of film from the other games, uh, you know, in the Big Ten. And really head into this game, Illinois has the same problems that they had the first game against Purdue. And that is one, the, tw- you know, the twin towers, the two big guys in Trevion Williams and Zach Eady. Um, the other, the other is defending without fouling. J- uh, Jaden uh, Ivy is one of the best guys with the ball in his hands in, in college basketball. And Illinois couldn't stop him without fouling him last time. He went to the free throw line 15 times, made 13 out of 15. And that was a huge difference in the game. You know, so and I'll talk about some more keys in a bit, but I think those two things, you know, defending without fouling and then two big guys against the one big guy for Illinois. The, the Illini have to find somebody at the four position uh, or somebody spelling Kofi Coburn like an Omar Payne, you know, to come in and give him some good minutes defensively and change the game a little bit. You know, for as much as we're talking about how many times these two teams are going to post each other up, the other big part of this game is they're both going to try to put the other team's big guys in ball screens and stuff, make sure that they have to move their feet and guard. Purdue's got one of the one of the best in the country at it. And Jaden Ivey, they've got one of the best route runners in college basketball. And Sasha Stefanovic, Illinois, has got a lot of dynamic guards. Um, as we saw in the first game between Purdue and Illinois, how much of a problem those guys can be. Illinois has got a lot of guys who can shoot. So for as many post-ups as we're going to see in this game, we're also probably going to see 73-pointers between these two teams probably. Um, so I think it's also going to be about which team makes the other team's big guys defend the hardest. And I don't just mean in the post. I mean um, kind of out in space. And if uh, you know whoever has, has the most success kind of putting those guys in bad positions and using the other team's size against them, you know, I think there's going to be a real advantage there, too. I think that the tricky thing with Illinois is their ability to, you know, to basically play four guard-type players, perimeter-type players with uh, uh, their guy at the four there, Grandison, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, Grandison, thank you. Um, that can really spread Purdue out a little bit, and that can really create driving lanes. That's kind of the, the issue for Purdue sometimes is they try to be compact defensively, and that allows – typically good looks from three for teams that do the right things against their defense. I think Illinois 
got really hot in that first game, made some tough threes, but also I think they're pretty well built too to get the ball where it needs to go when it needs to be there. And if Illinois can make some shots, you know, the the last two teams, Minnesota and Michigan, Purdue has played, have just kind of had outlier shooting games against Purdue. And Purdue kind of creates that a little bit with the way they play de- play defense. So I, I think that um, if Illinois can generate a lot of really good looks from three and make a good percentage, you know, this is going to be a this is going to be an absolute you know shootout probably. Brian, what's really interesting though about that is that Purdue's guards, and I can't figure this out. I'd be interested to see your perspective on this. Their guards have just not defended well at all. Like you think back to Johnny Davis going for 37 and Mackey and Jaden Ivey, like he should be the one sliding over and saying, you're, I'm turning your water off. You're not scoring. Yeah. And he didn't do that. And then you look in and they go to assembly hall and they give up, I think 37, 38 combined points to Rob Finnessy, who let's call it a spade a spade is a below average guard in the big mm-hmm. time. The reason why he comes off the bench as a junior or senior and Xavier Johnson's a good player, but to give up, 37 combined points, 2017. Why do those guys struggle? Because Illinois has now shown an ability to get to the basket with guys like Trent Frazier and be able to kick out to shooters. And we know Andre Carbello can get there. And Alfonso Plummer has even shown an ability to get to the rim and finish at a high rate. So why have those guys struggled? Because it's difficult to defend if you're going to prevent them from driving and you're going to allow them to shoot, but you can't just let them to shoot because they'll go by and get buckets at the rim. Yeah. Purdue's, Guards have been okay defensively at times, but for the uh, you know entire body of work, I think I think they've been, you know, I, I think probably below average. Jaden Ivey has gotten better defensively, but um, I think he's still kind of developing as a player, as good as he is right now. And that's the 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 uh, from a, a defensive perspective, the defensive discipline is not quite where it needs to be at. The preparedness isn't quite where it needs to be at. But the issue for Purdue is they really struggle in ball screens. People use their size against them as makes perfect sense is when you have a seven foot four, 300 pound guy out there who is mobile for his size, but mobility is relative when you're talking about guys of, of the, uh, of these dimensions, they've actually been better lately with Travion Williams on the floor defensively. And I never in a million years would have, would have ever guessed that those words would come out of my mouth because that was always his biggest issue too, moving his feet against ball screens, containing the dribble, things like that. That's where Purdue has really struggled this year. They have really struggled against guards who, who can split ball screens or just when Purdue has to play drop coverage with its size, just go around them or pull up and make jumpers over them. The case of the Indiana game was just, I think, I think assembly hall does funny things sometimes um, to opposing teams. And it was like the Illinois game I mentioned before. They got Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble. He barely played, did nothing for the game. Purdue's defensive game plan goes out the window. Now, all of a sudden, you're playing a guard-oriented team. Assembly Hall does funny things. Robert Finnessy somehow all of a sudden turns into Superman, makes a bunch of shots. That whole game was really fluky. Um, it basically came down to Purdue had a run of turnovers, which they've been prone to do at times this year. Uh, when Purdue gets good leads sometimes they get a little bit undisciplined and they try to try to try to try to deliver the knockout punch offensively they take a bad three they make a a bad pass trying to do something fancy and it kind of goes sideways on them and they have been prone too for turnovers in chunks in succession and that was what happened in the final 10 minutes of the first half at indiana they turned the ball over a bunch of times consecutively. Indiana got out in transition. Finnessy got the same thing happened with Johnny Davis against Wisconsin. Purdue turned it over a couple of times. Johnny Davis gets out in transition. 
sees the ball goes to the basket, all of a sudden he's got his head up, all of a sudden he's got momentum, and that's what happened with Robert Finnessy too. So Purdue, if Purdue plays disciplined offense and just takes care of the basketball, that overcomes so many of their issues. They're, they're, they're just okay in half-court defense. I think they're getting better. But when they turn the ball over and they're not established from a defensive perspective, that's when they really are bad. And I, I think disciplined offense is just always for Purdue, number one on the to-do list um, in every single game they play. John, you and I have been around the block a little bit. We've seen a lot of big matchups between these two teams over the years, Gene Cady and Lou Henson. And, and can, can you remember a game with as much national um, implications and, and Big Ten title implications as the one on Tuesday night? You know, one that, that what stands out to me, you know, more than playing for a title or anything, is just that Purdue's been a hard team for Illinois to beat over the years. I mean, Purdue comes in, plays hard defense, um, really, really gets physical with you. And, you know, Long Kruger had trouble playing with them. Self did okay. Bruce Weber had trouble beating Painter. Um, it's been uh, the last 10 years or so, it's been tough for Illinois to beat Purdue. Um, I'm kind of curious, Brian, I was – didn't get my eyes on the game yesterday. I had had something to do yesterday afternoon, but I was listening to the game on the radio. And I would suspect that Purdue was playing some pretty good hard defense yesterday against Michigan. But two things that surprised me were, I thought I heard them say that Purdue did not have a foul called on them in the first half yesterday. And right. what, what, how did, what, how did Dickinson, was he just out on the court the whole game? Was he, was he out on the, on the perimeter moving around and creating his, his options out there? Well, he, he made three threes. He made probably five or six jumpers. He really shot the ball well, and he really saved Michigan because there was a point in the first half where Michigan was down nine. Jaden Ivey had just dunked on consecutive possessions, and the arena was about to go crazy. Dickinson comes down, hits a pick-and-pop three that, you know, I don't know if that's the ideal shot Michigan yeah. wanted in that situation, but he's been shooting really well this year. He nailed that shot, Michigan – went on a little bit of a run to kind of stop the bleeding. Um, you know, Purdue ended up winning by six. It was essentially eight because Michigan made a layup at the buzzer that Purdue allowed them to. Um, I, you know, Purdue led start to finish. I, I think it was, I think the final score was probably a little bit uh, misleading in terms of how, uh, how uh, I don't want to say one-sided it was, but how, how well Purdue you know, played and winning, you know, Michigan, you know, started trapping with about 11 minutes to go in the backcourt. And that's been one of Purdue's issues dealing with backcourt pressure this season. But as much as fans and the TV crew kind of, kind of freaked out about it at the time, Purdue only turned the ball over twice. Uh, they outscored Michigan seven to two off of, off of advantages with numbers off of their trapping. It really wasn't that big a deal. I, I, I think Michigan getting within four with, two minutes to go was just kind of a big 10 basketball game. Just the way things go. Dickinson played really well though. I mean, but he, it was mostly on jump shots and stuff. Was, was um, with, with Purdue's defense yesterday, were they playing physically or, you know, I was surprised that they didn't have a foul called on Was it just, it yeah. seems like it's, yeah. it's hard for Purdue to get draw fouls sometime, but it seems like what, what, how were they playing yesterday? Well, they didn't have a foul called on them. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll put it that way. Um, I think they got away with a couple, but then it it came back around in the second half because when Michigan started trapping, they were tackling Purdue often and being allowed to let play. So, um, you know, as soon as you got out of that half without a foul being called on you, you knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew the way Big Ten 
Big Ten officials were going to handle that. And it was going to even out one way or another. And, you know, sure enough, it did. But, uh, you know, Purdue's not a great defensive team. Uh, Purdue's not what people view Purdue as. Uh, oh, you know, he yeah. has really, he has really, you know, turned his priorities to offense in recruiting over the years. And that's paid enormous dividends because they, they've, they've been able to get these really influential big men and they've been able to surround them with a lot of shooters and really high basketball IQ guys. And that's made them an offensive program. And they have done that at the expense of certain things like lateral movement, <laughs> um, things that jibe with defense, a certain mentality. Uh, this used to be more of a blue collar team. I, I think this is more of a white collar team now. I, I think they're very skill-based more than anything, even though that skill is surrounding you know, giants oftentimes, but, you know, people still view Purdue as, you know, 2007, 2008, Chris Kramer, Keaton Grant, Purdue, Gene Cady, Purdue, stuff like that. That that's not really Purdue is more like John Beeline, Michigan now than it is like Gene Cady, Purdue. Um, and that doesn't mean Matt Painter's still not a defensive coach at heart. He still coaches these guys defense first, but it's just that his recruiting has gone in a direction where things are much more, offensive driven and that is coming with a lot of trade-offs at the defensive end you're big so you have disadvantages there you have some guys whose foot speed lends itself well to shooting jump shots and you know running off screens and stuff like that but doesn't help them when when, when they're isoed in a switch against a superior athlete so that's why they've had to build their defense kind of around help more than you know kind of all-out pressure like it used to be so this is a very different Purdue team um, from a defensive perspective they're just not what Matt Painter would probably want them to be quite yet, but I, I think they are getting better during this five game winning streak. I think they've been better. And when they've struggled this year, a lot of it has had to do with turnovers too. And they seem to have that relatively cleaned up for the time being. Anyway, it can always surface again, but they've been doing a pretty good job with it. All right. We're going to, we're going to put you guys on the spot now, starting with Alec and then we'll go Alec, John, uh, Brian, and then me, give me a couple of, of uh, keys to the game. For, uh, for you, and then uh, a prediction on the outcome on Tuesday night's game. Yeah, I guess I can go first. I think I'm really interested to see how Illinois plays with their guards. Like, I don't think it's fair to expect Andre Andre Corbello to have the type of game that he did in Champaign a couple weeks ago, because honestly, we haven't seen that. Like Brian said, Purdue didn't scout for him to be in the lineup, and that was seen pretty evidently. Just the amount of times I've pretty one under ball screens on him instead of yeah. going hurt. So like that's so that in itself is a problem, right? Uh so I do think that Andre Carbello is not gonna have the type of game that he had, but I also think Owen is gonna defend better. Like I think Trent Frazier will defend better against Sasha Stefanovic. If that's in my opinion, like Sasha Sasha Stefanovic is the reason that Purdue's offense goes in the half court. And I love watching this Purdue team play offensively when they're in transition, but it's maddening to me to watch them play in the half court when they have a likely top five pick and they don't play through him at all. And that kid, Jaden Ivy just doesn't seem to play well off the ball. So I put the ball in his hands. And I'd run a lot of pick and roll with him. Uh, so I think that if Illinois is able to slow down Stefanovic, which I think they're going to do a better job of, I think that'll be a key and something important to watch. Cause I think Demonte Williams has shown, and he showed it in this game earlier this season when I think he held Ivy to three of 10 from the field. And obviously he got most of his points from the free throw line that he can defend against a Jaden Ivey, a Johnny Davis, two guys who are projected top 10 picks, top five picks, depending on where you see them. And I think that's important. But I think it's really going to come down to how well does Purdue's guards defend and then who 
how well does Kofi Coburn play? If Purdue's guards don't defend well, I think Illinois is going to have a really good chance to win. But that's coming with the expectation that Kofi Coburn plays a lot better than he did in Champaign and doesn't essentially just get taken out of the game because he was terrible in Champaign. And there's no other way to say that. He was objectively bad in Champaign. I am picking Illinois, and I don't want to sound like a homer, but it's just hard for me to pick Purdue when I watch them defend and they've got a defensive efficiency rating over 100 by Kempom. It's around 100 by Bartorvik. I just don't trust their guards to defend. I think Illinois is going to hit more shots than they did in Champaign. And that's weird to say because you're going into Mackey and most people don't hit shots there. But I also just trust this Illinois team. I think that winning the Big Ten really matters to this team after what happened last year. I don't think they care. I don't think they get phased by how loud opposing stadiums get because they're a bunch of 22, 23, 24-year-olds. And I think Illinois goes into Mackey Arena and gets maybe one of the two, three biggest statement wins of the entire season in the country. You know, um, when I look at this game, I, I look back on the last game, and like Alex said, um, Kofi wasn't very good that game. And he was, you could see he was, he was frustrated. He, he saw his emotions. He saw him have trouble struggling against Edie. Um, to me, this is a, a, a war of attrition type of a game where see who, see who gets in foul trouble. See if, if Kofi can, can get going or does he get, does he get beat around a little bit by, by the Purdue bigs? Um, I would, I would think that Illinois is going to come out. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a lot of different weapons this year as opposed to last year. This team is really – this to me, this team's almost more fun to watch than last year because they've got so many different weapons. Um, but I, I just – my gut just feels like Purdue's going to be the team to, that's going to pull it out. They're going to figure out how to – they're going to figure out how to guard. They're, they're going to – they just got – they got a they got a, a way to stop Kofi. They got the size to stop Kofi, and I just think Purdue's going to pull out a, a three, four, five point game. And it's it's, just, it's tough to win in certain places in the Big Ten. That's one of them. Illinois is having a great season, but I just don't think they're going to get this one. Yeah, I think Purdue's going to be way more prepared uh, this time than they were for the first one. I think that Jaden Ivey is a markedly better player now than he was when Purdue went to Illinois a couple weeks ago. I, I don't think he's too. Um, your point earlier about him kind of playing out on his own. He's not a big structure guy, but Purdue does run a lot of high ball screens for him. They do let him do whatever he wants in transition. Um, but he's not a big structure guy, but they are going to play through him quite a bit. Um, I think that, you know, obviously Kofi struggled in, in Champaign. I think Zach Eady had a lot to do with that. I think that, you know, for as much as, as Kofi's always given Travion Williams problems, uh, I think Zach Eady gave, gave, Kofi problems in much the same way. I always say it's it's what paper does to rock. He just with that height and length, it just he just just kind of covers them up. And I think that you know coming into this season, I would have viewed this as as a series where I think they would split both teams winning on their home floor. The fact Purdue managed to win that game in Champaign a few weeks ago um, just kind of makes me expect Purdue to have just enough to get it done at home. I think Purdue is getting better. I think they're getting more disciplined, but I said the same thing before they went to Indiana and then they lost their minds. And I don't think I'd expect that to happen at home. Um, but this will be a hell of a game. Um, it'll be a really physical game. It'll be a really, um, a really fun game to watch. Yeah. I think Purdue's going to win the game just because they're playing at home and, you know, two, these are two really good teams. I think Purdue's got a little bit more star power, uh, a little deeper, 
Um, but two great teams with some great players, marquee players, and Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady and Kofi Coburn. But, uh, you know, my keys to the game for Illinois, first of all, you got to defend without fouling. They, they had a huge problem doing that in, in Champaign. Kofi Coburn has been – Kofi's been playing about 35 minutes every game, and he needs to be on the court for 35 minutes against Purdue. Uh, he was – I think he only played like 23 minutes because of foul trouble and ended up fouling out in the last game. Illinois can't have that and expect to win the game. And, and you just can't send Jaden Ivey to the – free throw line 15 times. He's a great free throw shooter. He's going to knock him down. He made 13 out of 15 in Champaign. So who guards him, I think, is huge. Trent Frazier is a good on-the-ball defender, but uh, but Jaden Ivey is one of the best offensive players with the ball in his hands in the country. That's going to be a hard a hard check for, for uh, Trent. The other key is, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. Get, some, get shots and knock down shots. You know, I – this Big Ten game, is, they often turn into a possession game down the stretch. Whoever can get some open looks and knock them down is probably going to win the game. And, uh, you know, the supporting – we know Alfonso Plummer is going to make shots. You know Jaden Ivey is going to make shots. But the supporting cast, uh, somebody's got to step up. That guy was Sasha Stavanovich last game, made five out of five out of eight from three, had some real daggers that, you know, right when Purdue needed a huge shot, he made some threes. And I think Illinois needs that to be Trent Frazier. When Frazier gets rolling downhill and catches fire, he can change a game. And he'll, he'll need to do that for the Illini. But, you know, I see Purdue uh, in, winning this game by six or eight points, but, you know, because of the home court factor and uh, some of the other things that we talked about. But um, thanks, guys. We got them. Alex says Illinois. The rest of us say uh, per Purdue. So uh, it's going to be a great game. Really looking forward to it. Both these teams – score a lot of points. It's not a slugfest like Gene Cady and Lou Henson. It's definitely two teams that can score the basketball and going to be great for the fans on Tuesday night. So uh, thanks again, Brian Newbert from uh, from uh, Golden Black, uh, John Sapini, Alec Bussey. I'm Doug Bouchon. Uh, until next time, guys. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me.